I'm Samuel Broden, a kindergarten teacher with a lot to say, and this is Embracing Childhood, where we have candid, casual conversations on childhood. I'm ready to talk. Are you? Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Embracing Childhood, a podcast where we have casual and candid conversations on childhood. I'm super excited. First of all, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been downloading and listening, and it's really exciting for me to see each week the downloads and know that people are like listening and and at least getting something out of what I ramble on about here every week. But I'm super, super excited about today's episode because we are going to be having a conversation with my amazing new friend, and we're going to have a whole conversation about how we met. But today we're talking with Elisa Kidd from Naturally Kids. And I'm going to have her just talk a little bit about herself and what she does. And then we're just going to talk and get into our conversation. So what's up, Elisa? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, of course. We're so excited. So tell us all a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Elisa Kidd, like you said. I own Naturally Kids, which is in Washington State on the western side. And we've been operating for four years now, going into our fourth year. Our first year opened, we were inside. But when COVID hit, um, just like everybody else, we shut down for a little bit. And then when we opened back up, we naturally ended up outside. And so we've been 100% outside And we're going to continue being 100% outside. And it's been really exciting. The program has gotten a lot of of interest over the past couple of years, especially since we've moved outside. I think there's been a big push and a big new awareness around the community for outside learning and the benefits of it, especially as this pandemic is still going. So we're actually in the process of expanding right now. And we're adding a second classroom in. And we're just doing all the fun stuff. It feels like we're almost opening again. (laughs) So it's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. And outside is just like the best anyways. Like it's so cool. And I think that, I mean, I hate to say that there's like positive things that have come out of this whole like insane, awful year that we've had. But I think that it's good sometimes to look at the positive things. And I think that that's one of them, like people, parents and teachers and providers are starting to realize more the importance of being outside, because a lot of times that's what we had to do. We had to go outside more because of this. And so, you know, we're really getting to see the importance of that, which is really cool. Exactly. And not only that, but in the past outside time and recess, that always seems to be the first thing that gets cut from the public schools. And it's so sad because outside there's so much amazing potential out there to learn just by letting them be out there and freely exploring. So it's yeah, that's definitely one positive of it, of all of this. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I'm like, yes, people are starting to understand us crazy people that they say, you know, we're outside. All right. The time <laughs> now the hippies make sense. <laughs> like, yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. No, that's so awesome. And super, super exciting. All your growth and all the attention that your program is getting, I think is really, really important. And it really just speaks to you and your passion and kind of what you offer. And so it's really, really, really exciting. Can't wait to see what happens with that. So Elisa and I actually met yeah, not that really long recently. ago. 
man. What has it been like three weeks now? I don't even know. Yeah, I think so. Three weeks ago was when we officially met. Yes. So Elisa and I were connected through the Play in Nature conference that just happened about three weeks ago in Carson, Washington. Oh my gosh, it was the best. I'm sure if you guys follow either one of us, you already know all about it, but it was put on by Play Frontier and Learning Wild, Tiffany and Kristen, who are amazing. And Elisa and I were both presenters at this conference. And so we kind of talked and chatted through Instagram for probably a few weeks once we realized we were both speaking. And when we finally got to meet and they like rented us a little house and like we got to stay in the house for the weekend. And it was just really, really amazing. The conference itself was amazing. Meeting all the people were, was great and speaking was great. But honestly, like for me, at least being able to meet Elisa and being able to kind of connect with her was like probably the best part of the whole weekend because I agree. we just instantly clicked. It was so awesome. It felt so yes. nice to just have somebody that we could ramble on about with play and preschool, early childhood. Exactly. And it, they just, you just got it. It was so awesome. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it takes so long, I think, for a lot of us to find those people who are right on the same page as us. And so just being able to kind of be in that environment, we were like literally in the middle of a forest. It was so beautiful. It was just beautiful. Such a great mental checkout too. A mental checkout to like do all this mental learning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was just so nice to just get away. And it honestly wasn't like it wasn't super far for either one of us really to be considered like a way far out vacation. Even though we but did just even getting from, away from as far as Minnesota to come to it. That was crazy. Crazy. Right? crazy. I'm I like, know, that's right? like a real vacation. Like I'm like, I just live a couple hours right? this other way. So this is <laughs> that was like so cool. kind of my neck of the woods. And everybody anyways. there was so chill. It was it was so awesome. It was a great atmosphere that they were able to create for us. It really, really was. And just being around so many like minded people and all the connections that we made through there and it was just really great yeah so that's how we met and we instantly clicked and we've been talking non-stop since then just about all things play and all things it's really true everything. i probably bug you a little bit too much every day <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because i always feel like i'm the person who's bugging somebody about this kind of stuff and i'm like Oh, I really, I really want to text her this. Or I really want to tell her about See, this. See, just more uh, proof that we're kindred spirits. I don't know, that's kind of annoying. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so we're both huge advocates for all things play and child-directed and all of that, which, of course, if you follow either one of us or listen to this podcast, that's kind of what we all talk about. But it was, it was just a really good chance to just expand like our horizons and expand the people that we kind of bring into this tribe of you know, play-based learning. and Yeah. And that's so important too, to have that tribe, especially when what we do is so different than what the majority think is the way kids should learn. And so it's so important to find those people Mm -hmm. who understand and get it, who you're able to be like, they did this today. Isn't that amazing? And not have, you just get it. They just get it. That's so important to keep going. It is because I feel like a lot of us who are in this mindset usually are the only ones or we don't really know too many other people like that think the same way. And so we can often feel very isolated or just like, oh, you're the weird teacher or you're the crazy one or you're all these kind of things, you know, (laughs) new age, (laughs) as as I've been called before. So, So it is nice. It's nice to be able to have that. I mean, that's really what 
I'm working to have like with this podcast and with this thing is like growing this community of like these like-minded people who can have a space to talk about these things that are super important and feel. Yeah. Yeah, And even just have awareness too. When I first opened my program, I was listening to podcasts when I would be in here in the morning, getting ready for the kids to arrive. And I found Tiffany and Kristen's original one and theirs was just so centered Mm -hmm. around play-based and child-led. And even though that was something that I truly believed in and ultimately why I left my public school position, it helped me so Mm -hmm. much to just have that podcast to listen to and know that, what I felt was internally right for these kids is what other people saw too. And it Mm -hmm. gave me the courage to do it in my program. So it's just so important for us to be vocal about it and just do it and share our ideas with other and get that tribe in. Yeah, definitely. And I like how you said courage, because I think that a lot of what we do takes that. It takes courage and bravery to do something that's against the grain of what is considered to be normal in any aspect of life, really. And when it comes to, you know, our work with children, especially because there's a lot of people in this field who have been in it for a long time or whatever, and they're very kind of set in their ways and closed-minded when it comes to how children learn. And when it's people like us who are coming and bringing up new ideas or bringing up new, you know, ways to do things, it can be shunned a lot. And so for us, knowing that, this is the right way and the best way that we know to help children learn and grow and develop. It takes that kind of courage to yeah. beat that advocate and to really yeah, kind of speak definitely. up for what and we And I feel like right as a play advocate, of course, it's do. important for us to have that courage to do it in the environment with the kids. But it's also important for us to have it to talk to the community and show them what we're doing and why mm-hmm. it's beneficial. Yes. So I've noticed a lot of my program, I feel like a lot of the times I'm more so educate the families than I do the kids (laughs) (laughs) all of the time I'm just sitting there and being like no when they're climbing they're strengthening their core muscles and when they have strong core muscles then they can write and so a lot of the time and it's not just telling that to the families enrolled in my program but the community as well so when they drive by and see the kids randomly climbing a tree they won't be like oh but they might be like oh (laughs) wow look at those core muscles in action there (laughs) So yeah, a lot of yes. a lot of courage yes. just all around to just do it and then be vocal about it is so important. It is. And I have always been that way. Like it's for me, it's always been let me talk to the parents about this. Let me talk to the other teachers about right? this. Right. Like let just let the kids do what they need to do. And, and I'll know. talk to you about yes, why. Exactly. <laughs> let them go. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's like such a huge part of of our job in general that, you know, a lot of people don't really consider. Or they just forget about, you know, that we're educating the parents as well, because most of the times they're just doing what they think is right or what. Yeah, yeah. Or they don't even have the time too, because I know in my public school job, the parents were working. And so it was really hard for me to be like, this is what we're learning and this is why it's beneficial. So if you can find that time to be able to connect with the families, it's so, so, so important. Yeah, it definitely is, because... Again, they're going to take those things because they're looking to us to help them figure out what's the best thing to do for their child. So even when we're sharing with them these things that we believe, hopefully they take that when they're with their child themselves or when their child is out of our program or, you know, whatever it is. And then they can turn into the advocates for their kids when they are no longer with us and in the older grades. Yes, exactly. And that's always the worst. 
It is always the worst because it's like you create this little environment for them and then they're going to be gone and you're like, I don't know right? if they're going to have it anymore. And most of the time we don't even know how they are. We just got to let them set them free. <laughs> let them fly. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's a really important thing that we do. And I think that it's great to have these opportunities to really connect and get ideas and get support and get encouragement because it's hard. The work that we do is hard in general without adding on this whole idea of like, we're doing something different or, you know, we're doing something that's not the norm. Yeah. Or even the thought of people judging you harshly and not, you know, knowing that's the way. Oh, totally. Totally. There's so much of that. I feel like, at least in my experience, there's so much of that judgment from like, I don't know what you would call it, more seasoned professionals. Although I've been doing this for like 15 years, so I don't really understand that (laughs) aspect of it. But, you know, those people who feel like they're, this is their thing, you know, there can be a lot of judgment, you know, and I don't know, for me, like in my experience, especially like coming in as like a male in the field, which there is more happening now, which is great. But that's always a stigma attached to it too, where it's like, oh God, don't come in here and try to tell us what we're supposed to do, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or even the opposite too. I know a lot of the times the males that I've worked in the past, they could almost automatically get the tough kid because they think that having that male figure is going to like automatically snap them out of some kind of behavior. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. That is something that's happened to me. I always, always the more difficult children were always sent to my room or all that kind of stuff. And I used to always say, even years ago, I was like, you know, I don't, there's lots of reasons why I don't think that's correct. Number one is because I don't think that we should ever be using a teacher or a classroom as a form of punishment, especially when it's going to be like, okay, if I'm working in a center and here I am, in my like whatever pre-K class and you're going to send me some kid from preschool who's misbehaving here as a punishment. Well, one day that kid is going to have to be in this class for real because he's going to be in pre-K and now he's not going to want to come because it's like a bad thing. Right. And even when I started my last job, when I was working at the outdoor school, when I started there, there was a bunch of kids and the other teachers were like, watch out for this kid, watch out for this kid. They're out of control. They're out of this, whatever, whatever. They go to the office every day, blah, blah, blah. And it never happened when I was with them, right? I don't send kids to the office anyways, but I never had a reason to. And so it was always like, I think as a way for them to not, I don't know, feel, I don't know, less than or like they failed. They always put it off as like, well, those kids are only listening to you. Yeah, exactly. I could see that. So they're just listening to you because they need that voice or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe like 5% of it is that because like I kind of can understand that but it's really just because the kids are respected here with me and they're involved in what they're doing and they know that they're important and what they say is important and what they think is important and they're allowed to speak up yeah you give them that space to feel that emotion and you don't shame them for that emotion exactly so why wouldn't they have more positive quote-unquote behavior And a lot of times I feel like these children are like labeled as like these, the bad ones or, you know, whatever we say, when a lot of it, number one, has underlying reasons for why they're behaving that way, which is our job to figure that out and help them sort through it. But also a lot of it is just what kids do. Like kids 
push boundaries because they're learning about what boundaries are and they push them because they need somebody to explain to them where to stop and what to do and all those kind of things. And when we don't allow that, or we don't allow for this sort of like being free and being able to speak up and being able to talk about what's going on and talk about the things that you don't agree with or don't understand, like when we don't give them that, of course, I would act out too if that yeah. was me. And so that's always been like a struggle for me is like getting people to understand that like, no, it's not because I'm a man and I talk in this way, which is, it's difficult for me sometimes because I have to watch very specifically the things that I say and the way that I say things, because I want people to see that it's not because of that, that it's just because of what they're feeling when they're in this environment with me. But yeah, that's always been a very interesting thing. Like instead of you all rethinking the way that you're working with the kids, you're going to blame it on something that is out of your control that you can never do. So that's why they don't behave when they're with you or whatever, instead of thinking like, okay, maybe I should change the way that I'm speaking to these kids. Maybe I should change the way. Yeah. And I feel like that's what makes a really good teacher too. If you're able to look at something and then go back and take yourself out of your comfort zone and just think about the situation and Hey, maybe they got Mm -hmm. set off because I said it like this, I should try saying it like this tomorrow and see what happens. And so I feel like that's a really crucial part of being a teacher is being able to look at what happened and not just automatically place the blame on somebody else, but look at how you, what you did could have cost that and how you can make it better moving forward. Yeah, definitely. It's like this whole critical thinking piece of it and being able to reflect critically on yourself and like what you're doing with the kids. And I mean, I think that we talked about this at some point, I'm sure, but it's like this whole idea of this power that adults feel like they have to have over children. So in order for me to have power over them, like I'm going to do what I know, what I think I'm supposed to do. And I'm not going to veer from that. And no, I'm not going to think about if I did something wrong because I didn't do something wrong because I'm the adult, you know, all this type of stuff. But it's like, we all make mistakes and we all do things that are wrong and we need to think about it and change it. And we need to not be embarrassed or ashamed to, yeah. speak about that with the children and you know tell I think them it's like so beneficial if you explain to them if you get mad be like hey I got mad because of this it's so important for them to see that we get mad too or we get sad and seeing us label that emotion and then saying why it's so important and it'll help them do it themselves later down exactly and that's the whole point right is to kind of create these adults I guess that can speak about their feelings, that can work through their feelings, that can feel confident and safe and all of that, because we don't have a lot of that right now. And so it's just, it's always very interesting to me to like watch other classrooms and watch other teachers and and just see like, I don't know, just how they don't respect the children. And I feel like when you say that to somebody, it's like, what are you talking about? Of course I do. And I'm like, but just look at it you're really not, you know, you're not respecting them as actual people who have real feelings and real emotions and have been alive for 40 months and don't understand what their emotions are or, you know, how to deal with them. That they can't sit still (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) 
yeah, hello. Oh my gosh. I'm just, this kid is just crazy because he won't sit here for my 35 minute circle time. Like, right. That's completely adult led. Yeah. And super boring because not only is it adult led, but you're reading a story like this. And the next thing that happens in the story. And then I only get to this. see the picture for like, like five seconds because you're rotating it around <laughs> yeah, so everybody can exactly. see. <laughs> Exactly. I didn't see the picture. Well, if you would sit still, you would see it. I would Sorry, be fidgeting to too now. and like <laughs> probably break Hello. dancing at some point. And <laughs> yeah, like how many adults out there can really sit still yes. for 30 minutes listening to someone drone? When on I was in college, actually, really my professor about? was amazing and she was really into the Reggio way, which I appreciated from, you know, having being introduced to a child led and play-based atmosphere from as early on as my own college experience. Um, But she would even practice it with us adults too. So whatever she would say that we should do with the kids in the classroom, she would also practice with us. And so going into the start of the quarter, Mm -hmm. she would always be like, okay, now tell me how many of you like to sit down and read the textbooks and write questions and how many of you prefer right, to right. have it be more interactive in class? And so she would always respect us and sign how much homework for how much we say we could handle. And she would always mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. markers and crayons and Play-Doh for us to go and just freely grab. Because yeah. she knew. She knew that as humans, we need to fidget. And some of us need to have something in our exactly. hand as we're listening. And that's the only way mm-hmm. that we can actually get that information in. So it just boggles my mind that when adults themselves aren't willing to do something and sit still but then they expect a little three or four or five year old to do it like what yes, exactly why do we expect kids to do these things exactly. that we would not be okay with doing like that's what's so crazy to me like and that's for everything you know like if you're trying to explain to me something about something that i don't care about at all you know math or something right? yep. <laughs> for me too <laughs> Yeah, I hate math, right? So I don't care about what you're talking about. So I'm not I might remember some of the things that you tell me, but I don't care about it. So I don't really remember it. And I don't remember it for the right reasons, right? Same thing with kids, like, maybe your kids don't want to learn about dinosaurs. So stop talking about dinosaurs about bread for an entire month. (laughs) We don't care. Exactly. Like, talk with the children and figure out what they're interested in. And mold your activities so it makes and it things so much more magical you get to see the actual discovery and learning happening yes. when it's that way because they're actually interested yes. in it and it sticks and then it's so cool to hear what actually sticks exactly. and you're like yes a frog whatever can do that you are so right <laughs> yeah 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 yes exactly and that's what it's about it listening to these children and hearing what they're interested in and just working based off of that. And if there is something that they're interested in a lot, yes. then do that. Plus for I love a long it too, time. because then I learn like, so much more. Like if I were mm-hmm. an adult led program and I chose what the kids wanted to learn, chances are I wouldn't know this much facts about ladybugs that I do right now. But because I follow totally. their lead, then totally. I get so into it too. And our learning environment is just mm-hmm. like beautiful and magical and so collaborative and oh, just amazing. Yes. I love that. I love that collaborative. It's like, and so many people don't, that's not, again, that's very different than traditional kind of education and the kids, you know, well, this month is community helpers. So that's what we're doing for this month. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's all talk about everyone's family for yes. four oh weeks. <laughs> and let's stick to these exact activities. At 10 o'clock, we have to do this. Okay. And, oh, you only have until 10.20. So you have five more minutes to finish that piece of art. Yes. What? Like, those things don't make sense to me. And so it's just, and it's crazy for me. And it's also interesting, I think, because I feel like a lot of programs and a lot of people out there now, because this type of education is kind of becoming a little bit more known and more people are trying to gravitate towards it. So I feel like it's interesting because a lot of programs will, will say all this and say like, Oh yeah, totally child led and nature based and all this play based and everything. And then you go there and you hear things like that. Like I've done that before where it's like, this place says all these wonderful things and I go there and they're like, Oh no, don't put the glue on there that way. You have to put Mm -hmm. the glue on this way or "Mm, you're using too much marker. Now you're going to be done with the marker or don't. I'm like, I just, my friend actually just posted about this last night. She got a new job and it was the same thing. They said they were play-based and child-led and she felt so confident and excited about it. And then she goes in and they get like five minutes of playtime. And that was about it. And then the rest right. was all adult led. And she was like, it just feels so dirty yes. to my soul. And I'm like, oh. I know it's like horrible. And, you know, a while ago, like I was working when I was living in California and I was like going to different programs and like kind of helping them with their quality and like That's all so that cool. kind of stuff. I didn't know that. And so often, yes, it's really cool. It was really, really cool. I got to like go to like a ton of different programs and really just talk to the teachers and see like, what is it that yeah, you need support with? Like, what is it I would that you love to do with? that. Oh my God. It was amazing. And that's the problem too. I feel like a lot of teachers either don't know what they need support with yeah. or don't know where to find it. Right. And so I was doing a lot of that. And so often I would see these teachers, especially at these kind of like corporate kind of schools where, you know, you have to do X, Y, Z, blah, blah, They're doing all this and they're spending so much time prepping and so much time doing all these things and they're stressed out about it. And I'm like, you understand that if you kind of just took the child's lead, let them kind of direct the stuff that it would take so much stress off of you. So if you, you know, if there's teachers out there who don't care at all about children having the ability to lead their own learning and stuff, and all you care about is yourself, well, it's going to take a lot less of your time and your energy to do it. Because that's true, you know, especially like back in the day, and I'm sure you had the same experience, like it's so much time of like, prepping this and cutting this out and making sure this activity is ready to go and making sure this and you know, all these sorts yeah. of things that like, it's I literally so at my last on, job like, got Fridays all day Friday, just for prepping, because that's what we needed. And then even the amount of observations and data inputting that we had to do, like, my job was yes. more so a paper pusher than it was a teacher. Totally. And it's like crazy because you see, you know, like, okay, um, I need someone to come in and help me cut out these pumpkins and cut out this so they can have this. Yes. Who cares if we're doing pumpkins? Right. Here's hella here's paper. Here's some orange paint. And here's all <laughs> here's the stuff. Here's a picture of a real pumpkin, And guys. do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I feel like it's just so important to talk to other educators and other providers about just letting the children kind of lead and have a say in what they're doing yeah, and you know making it okay making it known that it's okay to not have a lesson plan from start to finish for the entire oh day gosh. like honestly yes. i spend yes. like 30 minutes a week lesson planning and that's just like hey they're into this mm-hmm. so why don't i pull this out for them to experiment with and that's about it like the rest is completely totally. up to them 
Yes. And just being flexible with things too. Like if whatever, if you do have a lesson plan you have to follow and it says you're supposed to read this book at this time and do this. If you're reading the book and the kids aren't into it, stop and do something else. Because they're not going to okay get anything to not read it. a book at circle time if they are not into it that day yes. <laughs> or at that moment. Just because they're yes. not into it then doesn't mean they won't be later. But no, I totally agree. That's one of my biggest pet peeves too. Is when teachers are forcing the story time to happen. I'm like, just, just stop. You know, yes. all it is is frustrating you yeah, and frustrating exactly. them. There's no point. <laughs> Exactly. And I feel like a lot of times that takes the fun out of it for us too. Like our job is supposed to be fun. Like we're literally spending all day with children and so we should be having fun. So if you're sitting there reading, you know, whatever kind of book and you're reading it super monotone and you're not doing it, having any fun with it, like, because you feel like you have to read the book. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Like find the books that the kids like or do the, just At the end of the day, we're it, there you know? for and the like, kids. So let's not make it miserable for the kids. Let's not force them to listen to yes, the story. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, please don't. Please don't. But yeah, I mean, all this stuff, it's definitely very, it can be very daunting and it can feel very difficult to be in the same sort of mindset, especially when you're working in a program that doesn't yeah. belong to you it can be very lonely and it can be very difficult to do this. And so that's really why, why it's so important for us to connect to each other and why it's so important for us to be able to create this community of these like-minded people. Exactly. And slowly but surely more awareness will be brought to it and it'll start to become more of the norm at the conference. We actually had a principal there and it was so awesome. And she, she was there because she saw how it was going for her early learners at her school. And she wanted to learn more about this nature and this play based in this child led environment. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, but all it takes is just us being vocal and sharing and soon enough, the right people will hear. And that's just what we need to do. (laughs) She was so open to it and she was so into it and she was asking so many questions and wanting to know more. And it was so great. And I Good. reach out to her afterwards and I'm supposed to be talking with her in a couple of weeks too more about it because it's just I'm glad so important. I'm glad you connected with her at the end that. there. Yes. Cause it's really, it really is about kind of changing that mindset. And honestly, in the end, if you can't change the mindset of the program that you're at, exactly. do your own. Exactly. Program. Or keep going and finding the one until I mean, you find one that matches with you. Cause I think it's important to advocate for the kids, but you also got to realize when you're beating a dead horse mm-hmm. <laughs> and when it's time to move on. Exactly. And that can be really difficult because it can be hard to leave the children in a place that you know isn't the best for them. And obviously, like, you're like, I'm sure it'll be fine or whatever for them, but it's not giving them what they really need. But you also have to think about yourself, too, and making sure that you're filling your own cup and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because if you're there and you're constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and not getting anything and it's draining you, then it's taking away from what you do with the children as well. And so it's really, you kind of have to find that balance of, okay, this clearly isn't working. They're clearly not going to get this. I need to move on and find somewhere that connects to it. And hopefully you've connected with the children and you've connected with the families enough that you can, you know, have those conversations with them. And at least if you leave and they stay there, at least they have those ideas planted in their heads from what you've been talking about. So do what you can and just keep pushing and find those people that, are in your tribe that you can talk to and connect with because honestly it does so it really much does. for just it does because if I didn't have that it would be 
awful, yeah. honestly. It would be really, really hard to do all this without people like you and all these people that we connect with. And so I think that's super it really important. Is. It really is. I love how we've circled back to this <laughs> with everything we've talked about. We circled back to how important it is to find your tribe because that's how important it is. <laughs> it really, really, really is. It really is. So um, thank yeah, you so much what for a coming beautiful on natural ending that, um, that brought us to find your tribe. I love guys. It. It perfect. Right. <laughs> Yes, yes. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? I'll link all your stuff anyways, but let everyone know all your stuff. If you want to come and check out all of my fun that we have with my children, go ahead and search Naturally Kids with two Ds on Instagram and Facebook. And my website is www.naturallykids.com. Do people still say www.com? I don't know. I don't know. I was literally just thinking that. Did I just age myself there? (laughs) W, go on the World (laughs) Wide Web. That's funny. But yes, everybody, please go and follow her. She's doing amazing things at her program. And there's going to be even more amazing things coming up. And yes, thank well, before you so we much go, actually, me and Samuel were talking yes. about oh, doing yes. some kind of like monthly get together thing. Ooh, so let us yes, know if you yes, guys enjoyed yes. this little chit chat that we had together, and we'll keep doing it. We'll push out some more. If you liked hearing us talk, let us know. But yeah, thank you again for listening. Thank you for subscribing Good and awesome. sharing. As always, be sure to go and follow Honoring Childhood on Instagram and Embracing Childhood Podcast on Instagram. Let us know if you want to be on the pod. That'd be great. We have a little form to fill out if you are interested in coming on and talking with us. Let us know and let's keep building this community and let's keep encouraging and supporting each other. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time.